powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Again, everyone, and welcome to Better Than Before. I'm your host, Coach Tony Richards, and today, quite a program lined up for you. My special guest will be Brian Tui, the CEO of the Columbia Board of Realtors. And in this current environment we're in right now, we're going to talk about the state of real estate. We're going to talk about it here in Columbia. We're going to talk about it in the state of Missouri and across the United States. We're going to have a little recap of how we got to where we are today as far as real estate and the economy is concerned. Take a little time travel trip back to 2006, 2007, 8, 9, and work our way up to present day in our current situation. So it should be a fabulous discussion with Brian today. Also on the program, I'm going to give you three key questions that you can journal with and use with your direct reports and coaching sessions. I'll provide all that to you right here on Better Than Before. Today's program is sponsored by University Subaru. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. Stand by. My conversation with Brian Tui is coming up here next on Better Than Before on the C-Suite Radio Network. There's nothing quite like the love of a good dog. At University Subaru, it seems to us they're all good. See special pet-friendly features in the new 2021 Subaru Outback and Forester. It's never been easier to hit the open road with your best friend and to keep them safe with Subaru all-wheel drive. Subaru is dog-tested and dog-approved. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. And a dog, a dog. University Subaru, Columbia, homegrown and proud of it. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. This is Tony Richards, and today my special guest is Brian Tui. He is the current CEO of the Columbia Board of Realtors, serving as the association executive. Brian was named the CEO in 2014, and before that, he was the director of operations and MLS administrator. Since Brian started working for the CBOR, he's overseen the implementation of several services to help streamline real estate transactions for all its members and their clients. Prior to joining Columbia Board of Realtors, he was a stay-at-home dad, helping his wife with her real estate sales business and working on starting up their residential home building business, Sedona Homes, LLC. 
During that period, he was a member of the Board of Realtors, serving on the MLS committee and as treasurer of the organization in 2008 and 2009. Brian has served on several task forces and commissions for the City of Columbia. He was a two-term planning and zoning commissioner while the city implemented the new Unified Development Code in 2017. He has a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science from Westminster College and a Master's in Business Administration from William Woods University. He also earned his Realtor Association Executive Certification since joining the Columbia Board of Realtors. And besides that, he's my really good friend. Brian, welcome to our program. Thanks for having me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. I'm so glad you came on because there's so many things going on right now in the economy, and a lot of people are trying to figure out which way the wind's blowing here. And real estate is always such a big part of the economy. And most people, the biggest investment they're ever going to make is in their house. So I think it's pretty timely that you're able to come on. Yeah, there's a lot of questions with the market. It's definitely changed from where it was a year ago. And you're right. Most people's home purchases are biggest financial asset that they ever make. And so a lot of people have a lot of their wealth tied up in their home. So the market's returning back to pandemic normals. You're starting to see some doom and gloom in the media out there, but things aren't really as bad as people think they are. They might look a little bit worse when you do a year-over-year comparison to 2021, but we knocked the cover off the ball when it came to our numbers in 2021. But if you go back and look at numbers prior to the pandemic, we're really in line or slightly just below 2019 numbers, but the prices still keep accelerating. Well, the, the one of the things I really, I mean, I value your opinion anyway, but I, I especially value it because you're not only the real estate association CEO, but your wife is also a home builder. So you see it from a couple of different perspectives. Let's back up to what many people consider to be the worst financial time they ever went through in their life, which was back in 07, 08, 09. Let's do a little bit of history. So I think everybody has a little cringe when they say the years 2008, 2009. So, yeah, so I'm so, one of those people. <laughs> yeah, right. So tell me a little bit about what caused that and then how did we come out of that and where we got to where we are now? So what caused a lot of that was you had some changes in banking laws, which allowed people who probably shouldn't have qualified for a mortgage based upon payments histories, credit scores. You probably shouldn't have had a mortgage back then. And then you also had mortgage structured where some had some teaser rates the first 12 to 36 months to get people in that loan with the assumption that their income would grow and the property value would increase or they could refinance into something else. But the problem is when the economy changed, and those variable rate mortgages started to reset and the interest rates ticked up, people couldn't afford those payments. And it just kind of started a avalanche that spread throughout the rest of the economy. Yeah. And so that was a liquidity problem. It was a big yeah, part of that. It really was. And actually, we noticed it locally in new construction in early of 2006. And then it just got progressively worse as it spread the rest of the economy in 2007, 8, and 9. Now, as far as the United States as a whole, how would you compare Colombia to the rest of the country in that 08 and 09 period? We were 
pretty similar. And when I first kind of got involved in the real estate business, I would have people say to me, oh, we don't really need to worry. We're small enough. We don't really have to worry about housing recessions or any type of changes in the economy. But I think we found out the hard way that Columbia was big enough to where we were, we definitely experienced some issues. Yeah, I think that's a pretty commonly repeated myth that yeah. Columbia Columbia's recession proof. Yeah, and, no, we're really not. Yeah. And so that proved that we weren't. And then we kind of came out of that. What was the real estate market like then out of that into like 11, 12, 13, and so on? It was pretty slow. Definitely had a lot of banks who were hesitant to lend to builders and developers. And so new construction growth was relatively slow. And then all of a sudden in March of 2012, you can see in the stats, there was like a switch that just flipped. And all of a sudden we started to see a rebound in housing and it was a slow, gradual increase. And it was very steady for a while. And we kept seeing year over year increases and kind of in, within, in normal ranges, they weren't anything too crazy until we hit the pandemic. And when we shut down, we definitely saw a little bit of a pullback those first few months when Columbia was shut down. But then when things opened back up, the housing market just took off like a rocket. People didn't have much to do, but sit around and look at houses and cars on the internet. And they went on a spending spree for both, especially as interest rates got down way below three for some people. Well, that's a good point. And I, want, I wanted to ask you about that. I've always heard, this could be one of those off-repeated myths also, but I've always heard the real estate market is typically the first leading indicator as to the economic cycle, right? And so do you think that's true or is interest rates the first thing that starts the ball rolling one way or the other? No, I would agree with your first statement. My dad was involved in, in home building when I was a kid and we lived in Atlanta for a while and a little bit in St. Louis also. And I, for some reason, was always really interested in home building and economics and watching the news all the time. And it really did kind of seem like, you know, before the rest of the economy hit a recession or was facing some type of decline, it seemed like my dad was going through it first when it came to home building. And I wonder if that's not the true, not true in the recovery too, that real estate is the first thing to start with the upswing and then everything kind of follows. Cause I know there's a lot of focus right now that the topic of conversation is interest rates right? because of what the fed is doing, trying to get on top of inflation. So interest rates have been anywhere from zero now up to one and a half, two percent 2%. And now they're starting to creep up a little bit toward three or more. What is the real estate markets condition today in comparison to those interest rate increases? We're really just going back to normal. We're a little bit down over 2019 because I really like to compare the 2019 number instead of the 2020 and 2021 because the market was abnormal those two years. Because of the um, COVID thing, right? Yeah, because of COVID, interest rates being so low, people really took advantage of that. And I, you know, I don't blame them. That also made the prices really take off also. But interest rates, they have gone up. I don't think people realize how much stimulation the Fed 
was creating for mortgage rates to be as low as they were. The Fed was buying huge amounts of mortgage-backed securities every month to help keep liquidity in the market. And that was supposed to keep going until this month. But as the inflation numbers started to pick up, the Fed decided to reduce their bond purchases starting in March of this year. And so when the Fed announced that they were going to reduce mortgage purchases, that's when we started to notice rates start to increase a little bit. And then they really started taking off this spring. What's interesting, though, is you see a lot of news reports right now about the doom and gloom of the Fed raising the federal fund rate and talking about how it's going to make their mortgage more expensive. But actually, what we've seen since they did the first three-quarter rate increase last month, mortgage rates have actually been declining. And so the day they did that first announcement, rates for 30-year fixed mortgage averaged around 6.28. And today, after yesterday's announcement, rates have even come down even more, and we're down below 5.5 again. Are there particular markets in the United States that are markets that you look at as far as leading indicators or the markets that reflect the overall state of the real estate market? That's difficult to tell right now because you used to be able to look at some places like Arizona, Las Vegas, Atlanta, some places in Florida, but the market has undergone so many changes in the last two years because of valuations. And so in a lot of these places, since there's such a lack of inventory, you're having a lot of investment companies actually go in and buy single family houses that they would rehab. And instead of selling, they were keeping it as rentals. And that's taking a lot of inventory off the market in those areas. And because you now have these corporate owners in residential ownership, it's a little bit more difficult to get a feel of where we are in some of those other markets around the country. And most of those are all going to be in that Sunbelt region of where you're seeing that happen. Well, you know, one thing I'm curious to ask you about is when you listen to Chairman Powell and the Fed, they talk about the one of the things they're trying to do by raising interest rates is they're trying to slow demand down. And so in the real estate market right now, do we have slower demand or do we have lack of supply or do we have both? It's a combination of both. We started seeing inventory levels really drop off in the fall of, I can't remember off the top of my head, it was 2018 or 2017. But ever since then, way before the pandemic, we really saw inventory levels drop off. And that's what was creating a lot of this price appreciation. And even more so during the pandemic, when the rates got so low and everyone wanted to go take advantage of those interest rates, the supply just got fewer and fewer. I mean, there were some months where we had less than three weeks worth of inventory in the market in situations where we'd like to have at least two or three months worth of inventory. And we, you know, down to weeks, it makes things really tight and very difficult for purchasers. So for us here in the city of Columbia, Missouri, located right between St. Louis and Kansas City, hour and a half each way, we are continuing to see our city grow. Yep. So is some of that due to that more and more families moving into town that's creating more and more need for supply, or is that just something that would happen anyway? Things are so low or so underdeveloped, it would probably happen anyway, but Columbia's also added quite a few jobs. When you look at Aurora Dairy, as one example, they brought in jobs, Outdoor Brands has brought in some jobs, so there's been quite a few additional jobs that are been brought into Columbia in the last few years, 
on top of you have a lot of people who grow up here and want to stay. You also have some people who come to the university and decide they'd rather stay in Columbia. And you're also noticing a lot of more rural areas that are starting to shrink while cities like Columbia continue to grow and they're absorbing people from those areas. When I first moved here 23 years ago, it was kind of unusual to meet somebody that grew up here, but now it's not uncommon at all to strike up a conversation with someone at a bar or just waiting at a doctor's office or something. And they're in their mid twenties or mid thirties or uh, maybe early forties. And they've been here the whole time. And I don't think that was the case 25 years ago. I would agree with that too. That's about when I moved here also. And it definitely seems like there's more opportunities for employment than there used to be. There's just more corporations around also that continue to grow. VU is one of them. So we've got jobs being added and we've got people moving in and we've got low supply. So where are we going from here, Brian? I have a lot of people who ask me, are we in a housing bubble? And actually that was the number one Google search five or six months ago is when is the housing bubble going to burst? But we're in a much different situation than we were in 2006 or 2008. There were a lot of banking law changes that eliminated a lot of those junk mortgages that people had. Homeowners have extremely low debt loads compared to what they had before too. And so the they overall- typ- They typically have money too, right. they have cash, you know? Right. When you combine that with the lack of inventory, we're pretty stable. I know there's some doom and gloom in the economy and people would like some of their daily expenses to come down when it comes to gas and food prices. But overall, it seems like our housing market is pretty stable. If our inventory level starts to creep up past the six-month mark, then that might be a different story. But we're not even close to that yet. Well, I know there's some developments out there that are going to come online, right? We have one. I live out in Old Hawthorne. We have one on the way out here on WW. We have one out in the south part of town legacy that's going to be coming on. Is that going to dramatically change the amount or is that just something natural that happens? No, it definitely will help. And there is starting to be some more developments that you're starting to see being approved. And so that will help. And there's some people who who will kind of complain about it and say, well, you know, most of these developments are only creating mid-level to upper end level housing. But at the same time, a lot of the people who are going to move into those houses are moving in from that lower to mid, lower mid range price. Right. They're, they're going to increase their or improve right. their situation and they're going to have a house they're vacating. Right. So it's going to open up that inventory in those lower price ranges. But the thing is, one of the issues that we're facing is millennials are either 41 or 42 this year and they're in their prime for buying a house. And so you have a huge generational number that's looking to home ownership now. Yeah, when people talk about millennials, they're really talking about Gen Z now. They've just lost track of the millennials and right. they're, going, they're going into their 40s now. Talk to me about real estate as a career. How many real estate agents, how many new ones are coming into the market? I mean, is that a career that's on the rise or how's that going? Yeah, it's been very much on the rise for a while. So it's interesting because all these places you hear, talk about they have a hard time finding employees. But during this time, the last five or six years, we've just seen our membership continue to grow and grow. And so people are getting into the industry and they're sticking around too. I guess it's a career that kind of fits in with the mentality of people want to work from home today. 
Right. And I, and I guess that's a career that can help you do that maybe in some cases. Yeah. Uh, it's something that can be flexible if they want it to, but at the same time, it's also something that can be hard to turn off too. You could wind up working seven days a week pretty easily, but then you also have some flexibility in your schedule also. But we, yeah, we do have quite a bit of members compared to the, the last five years and they're members who are, they're sticking around and they keep going. That's great. That's great. Well, what else should we know about real estate that I haven't maybe brought up or asked you? One thing that I think people really need to consider is mortgage rates at 5% seem high compared to the last couple of years, but over the long term, average rates for a mortgage are closer to almost 10%. And so 5%, 5 5.5%, what they are right now is actually really good. People in the previous 20 years, they would have thought a 5.5% interest rate was golden. And so people have kind of lost their perspective a little bit with regards to typical interest rates. What about construction? I know your wife's a home builder. Is the supply being down? Does that make being a builder more attractive or does that filter out builders? It does. It's a little bit more attractive, but at the same time, the market's been so crazy the last two years and you've had to deal with a lot of volatile prices when it came to lumber, doors, windows, shingles, everything. And you had so many price increases that it's made new construction a very difficult business because it has been so volatile. And I'm sure there's probably quite a few builders out there who they might've built more houses this year, but their margins probably weren't as good as they'd been in years past because of material cost. And also sometimes you're having to wait on materials also. And so that didn't help either. We've been visiting with Brian Tuey. He's the CEO of Columbia Board of Realtors here in my town of Columbia, Missouri. And Brian, I've got 12 rapid fire questions. I ask every guest that comes on the show. So I'm going to run these past you before we let you go. Okay. That's great. All right. Number one is what's the best memory that immediately comes to mind for you? Being on the lake and being on a boat. Who's the number one hero in your life? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't really have one. What's the top value you subscribe to? Always being honest with my board of directors and my job. It makes things a whole lot easier. Who's the most important person in your life? Have too many. I would say everyone in my family. Okay. I can't pick one. <laughs> you and your wife, you have children, right? Yep. We've got three, 20 year old, a 17 year old and a 16 year old. And what's your wife's name again? I'm sorry. Her name is Jennifer. Jennifer, that's right. I knew that. And then your children? Aiden, Ella, and Grayson. All right. All important people in your life. Yep. What's your favorite thing in the whole world? Playing golf or being out on the lake. I was thinking golf. What's your favorite food? Pizza. Where's the most beautiful place you've ever visited? I would say Hilton Head. If you could describe success in one word, what word would that be? Happiness. How do you want to be remembered? Someone who worked hard and got along with everyone and was well-liked. If you could go back and have a conversation with the young Brian, what advice would you give for the younger you? Don't worry as much as you did. Things will all work out. (laughs) What's your favorite sound? Does Led Zeppelin count? Yeah. Right. (laughs) Jimmy Page's guitar and John Paul Jones's bass and John Bonham's drum and yeah. Robert Plant's voice. Out of all the lessons you've learned, what's the most important lesson? 
really to stay calm and going back to not worrying, things are always going to work out and you just got to, when things feel overwhelming or concerning, just take a step back and take a breath and it'll all work out. Brian Tui, CEO of Columbia Board of Realtors. Brian, where do people go to find out more about the Board of Realtors? They can go to cbormls.com. And if they're looking for properties, we have a local property search that's straight out of our MLS data. And that is midmohomefinder.com. Well, that's great. We have people that listen all over the world and you never know. They may want to move here with us, be our fellow citizens. That'd be great. (laughs) Brian, have a good week, sir. And I appreciate you being on. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me. It's great. Stand by. I've got more for you on Better Than Before right after this. There's nothing quite like the love of a good dog. At University Subaru, it seems to us they're all good. See special pet-friendly features in the new 2021 Subaru Outback and Forester. It's never been easier to hit the open road with your best friend and to keep them safe with Subaru all-wheel drive. Subaru is dog-tested and dog-approved. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. And a dog a dog. University Subaru, Columbia, homegrown and proud of it. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I hope you enjoyed that conversation that I had with Brian Tui, the CEO of Columbia Board of Realtors. Real estate is a driving force in the state of our economy here in the U.S., and so some fascinating insights provided by Brian. All right, in this segment, I'm going to talk about three key questions. You can use these questions on yourself. You can use them in your journaling time. You can use them in coaching sessions with your direct reports, but they are designed to get you thinking and do some strategic thinking and get your mind working. All right, here's key question number one. Do we accept average performance because the market does or because other organizations do? I've heard people say that, like, well, we don't really have to be that good because the market is what it is, and so we only are about a half a step above our competition, or we only have to do this because our competition does or doesn't or whatever. Average performance is never acceptable. You should try to get the most out of yourself that you need. You also need to get the most out of your people because – You only have one life. You only have one career. Why not maximize it? Average performance is never acceptable. We want to be high-level, elite-level, best-in-class performers. That's what we want, right? That's what we're striving for. And then if we don't get it and we're just simply great, then that's okay. But what we're striving for, what we set our goals on, what we set our sights on is elite-level. Key question number two, do we capitulate to the pressure of the moment? And yes, we all do. The question is, do you continue to do it? Or are there things that used to cause you to capitulate, used to cause you to trip up, used to put a little bit of a hole in your game? 
but yet you learned, you learned how to deal with it. You learned how to behave with it. You learned how to get around it. You learned how to process it in a more healthy results oriented way. There's always going to be pressure in the moment, different kinds of pressure. It's going to come at you different ways. Resistance always comes always. And resistance is there to block you from being your best self. And anytime you're wanting to do something good for yourself or good for your organization or something that would be worthwhile, resistance is always there to stand in your way and to try to block you and keep you from doing it. And with resistance comes pressure. So we learn from it. We recognize it. We adjust. Key question number three, do we give up because we have been slammed by brutal facts? One of the key principles in Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, is notice and admit and confront the brutal facts. So we're not confronting them or we're not recognizing them and calling them out in the objective of giving up. We're doing it to try to figure out how to deal with it and how to take action against it or how to move forward. So recognizing the brutal facts are not reasons to quit. They're actually reasons to proceed. So we don't want to give up just because we've recognized or become aware of some brutal facts. So let's recap them again real quick. Key question number one, do we accept average performance because other organizations do? Do we capitulate to the pressure of the moment? And do we give up because we've been slammed by the brutal facts? Those are three key questions that you can use. Well, that's our program today. Better Than Before is sponsored by University Subaru. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. You can follow me on Twitter. I usually post six, seven, eight times a day. Usually in the morning, I will also post some links to some things that I'm reading on the internet. And then as if special events happen throughout the day, I will also post those or retweet those in my Twitter feed as well. You can come over and join our free Facebook page. Tony Richards, speaker, author, coach, usually has three or four postings a day there by me or by one of our followers. Just a couple of social media pages that you can use to get even more value from my consulting and coaching practice. Special thanks, as always, to our super producer, Tessa Hall, for putting together another fantastic program. And until we visit right here again next week on Better Than Before, I'm your host, Tony Richards, reminding you everything gets better when you get better. for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.